0: That was a perfect song for parents, Your Grace Finds Me. I just figured out that uh, Shelley and I have been parents for 35 years. And we want you to know that uh, we are not experts. Uh, we do the best we can. We know and we believe all parents do the best they can. Parenting is humbling. And uh, there might be a tendency in the principles that we share, and that's really what we'll be focusing on, our our principles, because the application always kind of takes a particular focus in the setting of the home and in your knowledge of your child. So we, we are very sympathetic parents, and we know how complex it can be how tough it can be, and we want you to know that as we uh, talk about parenting and answering some of the questions that have been submitted this morning, we want you to know that we can't imagine that there's any better parent for your child than you, that that you are the, the parent that God has given as a gift uh, to your child. So let me read what we're going to be working off of. Uh, what stimulated uh, this morning and the chance for Shelley uh, and me to, to speak to some of the things that we have gained and learned, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want to cover just a couple of things that, that I think will uh, move us in the right direction, as Shelley, as I come up and share some of the things that uh, we would... Uh, expressed to you in relation to some of the questions that we uh, were given. There are four commands here. The first is obey in verse 1. The second is honor. Those are commands or imperatives. Obey. Honor, verse 2. Do not exasperate. Don't uh, prod unto a point of anger your child. Verse uh, 4. And then again in verse 4, bring them up is also a command and imperative. Last week I, I, I didn't get to some of these things. I think it would be preliminary and valuable if I point out that I do think Paul, in what he is saying here when he's talking about children, is that he has children who are under the responsibility and accountability of parents. But he knows, and it's implied, that a person is a child beyond the home, beyond that stage in which they're under the responsibility of their parents. So when he talks about obey, the word obey means do what I tell you to do. That's basically what it means, do what I tell you to do. Um, Honor, though, is different honor has to do with attitude and honor is really showing respect and love for a parent and that is something that is lifelong God really wants us to be children who respect our parents who show them love they will not always be deserving but that is part of why this message includes uh, the emphasis on the words in the lord get in the lord we said last week get in the spirit it's in his power that we're able to do things that are difficult for us in our human independence but independence on the lord through faith we can do things and And most notably, we can love and forgive and show mercy and kindness, and it's not contingent or dependent upon the attitudes or behaviors of others. That's why we as Christians talk about unconditional love, because we know that kind of unconditional love from God himself. And so that becomes the template and the standard for our kind of love as well. In verse 4, it does say, do not provoke your children to anger, which means to exasperate or to make angry. Um, There are just four things that I'd like to highlight quickly. These are in general. I think if you reflect upon them, you can see how they could exasperate a child if they, so to speak, characterize the behavior of a parent. And the first is parents who are unreasonable – parents who are unreasonable, I think, can exasperate, can make angry their children. The second is children who constantly fault find. They're just super picky, no grace, all law. Number three would be neglect, ignoring, not having time for. Parents who are always in a rush, that's a danger for me. I was much better um, when the kids were at home and it was fortunate in the 10 years that we were in South San Francisco, I lived in immediate proximity. So, I left a word with everyone that worked alongside of me that if the kids want my attention, uh, let them through, let the calls through. No matter what, I'll take it. And uh, that, that helped a lot And trying to make time for your children. But sometimes I know that we can become so busy that we just they exasperate us when they have questions and they want attention. And sometimes that can cause us to neglect them. And I think that can be uh, a stimulus for exasperating our kids. And then fourth, inconsistency. I like to say, because uh, I think it's true, true, true. Predictability builds trust. Predictability in relationships of adults, uh, young, all ages. And it's also true between parents and children. And children want parents who are predictable It doesn't mean you can't be adventurous or fun, but they don't want you to be fickle, confusing, and when you are predictable, that builds trust, and it lends itself to confidence and a sense of safety. So uh, those are just some things to kind of set things up. In the second part of that verse, it talks about uh, nourishing our children. Or nurturing our children. The same word is used in verse 29 of chapter 5 when it talks about the man taking care of his own body, nourish, nourishing and nurturing his own body. That's in chapter 5 verse 29 of Ephesians. Here it's used of a parent who takes care of the physical needs of a child. But notice what he is emphasizing spiritual needs when he talks about the fact that he wants us to nourish them in the education and advice of the Lord. Education and advice of the Lord. I know the words are translated differently in your passage but I thought you would give a couple give you a couple of examples of how those words those Greek words behind the translation Uh, can function quite generally. Good advice is that word, uh, that's the second word, and uh, education is the first, uh, enculturating your children in the Lord. I just want to show a uh, here's what we've been looking at and I want us to see something that I read yesterday, it was published uh, on the 22nd of this month, it was a a study that's come out, I won't bore you with the details, but these are just the four top things that, um, and you can Google this if you like, just Google parents, uh, take note and it'll come up. But it was a LifeWay study, and the things that really grew up children who, who, who they found likely to, to kind of stay vibrant in the Lord and in the faith and involved in the church. And the first thing that they found in the home was Bible reading. Children who become accustomed to Bible reading. Number one. Number two, prayer and service in the church. Not just attendance, but service. Uh, Children who grew up, and they were interviewing a wide sampling of children now in their 30s, uh, but children who learned the discipline and the joy of prayer, talking to God, referring to God, consulting God. And that right alongside with being involved in the church through service, not just attendance. I'm going to move quickly. Singing Christian songs was right behind that in importance. But when you hear that, it's it's helpful to remember that when you're singing Christian songs, just as we do here, you're singing truth into your heart. You're rehearsing truths that are important. They're realities of our relationship. Uh, with Jesus Christ. And then the fourth thing, culture. The culture of the home where it isn't in contrast, but it is not in competition, but it is in, so to speak, cooperation with the church. In other words, parents live out the things that kids experience and hear and know from church. So that's why I use the word culture there because it helps us to realize that the example of parents, there's just no substitute uh, for that. And then very quickly, I want to share something that I discovered. This came out of my dog training experience. I I was quite successful with uh, two, two dogs, a Doberman pincer and a golden retriever. Uh, Those were the only two that I had enough sufficient time to train. Uh, But I make a distinction, and I think parents who will make a distinction in the handling, this will help you in any relationship, but if you apply this in your home to your kids, distinguish between accident, ignorance, and defiance. And I've defined them briefly there for you an accident is unintentional. Ignorance, you have to discern, is my child developmentally capable of doing what I'm expecting them to do? Have I taken the time to teach my child what I expect my child to do? When you want your child to obey you, can they obey you is really the point. Can they obey you? Have they seen you do it? Have you... Walk them through what you are expecting them to do in that task, and then even beyond that, you know, motor skills develop, brains develop, so ask yourself, is my child... I mean, are you expecting too much of your six-month-old? So, that's very important, and that is relevant throughout their life. And then, of course, defiance. And let me just give you a quick illustration. Uh, one day I came home, this was when we were in the Bay Area, and uh, our the house was in Millbrae, and we were all sitting down to dinner together. And Shelly let me know, uh, the kids were playing, you know how it is, she's working in the kitchen and getting I'm helping get the table set and she lets me know it has just been one of those days because we didn't just have one strong-willed child that would have been a great blessing we had two and that's why we never had three children (laughs) no kidding Sitting at the dinner table, and Shelly being just up to here, at one point, one of our children, uh, after pray, after we'd prayed for her, reaches across and knocks over a, a glass of milk onto the white tablecloth in the dining room table where we were sitting. And, of course, that was it for Shelly, because obviously she was taking that as an intentional act just to drive her completely insane. But me, using this little acronym, AID, I realized this is not defiance. This is not ignorance. The child knows how to get a salt and pepper shaker. No, this is an accident. And if we can make those kinds of distinctions, then we will not exasperate our children because we'll know how to better conduct ourselves in dealing with them. I'm going to ask Shelley to come up and... Uh, Shelly is just really, truly a wonderful, wonderful parent. Has much more patience than me. I've talked in the past about the uh, anger issues that sometimes I had. So the issue of exasperating the kids was something that was really uh, a live one for me. Not to let things frustrate me. And that aid concept really helped me. Really helped me. I don't even remember. I thought I just turned it on. It says on. Is it on? Anyone back there? Hello.
1: I don't even remember that incident.
0: It takes a long time for signals to move from here <laughs> see, I to can't the back see of the people. room.
1: I gotta.
0: Hey, the first question that was asked, and if we don't get through all these today, we might we might come back at it next week because it's a lot of fun. I hope it's fun for you. Although I had a dream. Um, this morning, and I was
1: telling the Whitlocks when they came through the door, I'd f- completely forgotten about it till somebody said, "Falling asleep," and I had a dream this morning that I sat down in church next to somebody who no longer goes to this church, but he sat down and he started snoring. Um, but you were speaking, so. <laughs> but I think I was trying to work through my anxieties of being here.
0: It was, but he snored loud, so. He's- This person is now at another church, (laughs) listening (laughs) wide awake every Sunday. Probably, yeah. But tired, very tired. (laughs) I have a strong-willed little child who admittedly is very similar to me in nature. As her parent, I struggle with how to view this nature. On one, on the one hand, I recognize she is to obey her parents, and I also recognize that God created her and her own personality. How can I parent her in a godly way without breaking her spirit and trying to rule over her?
1: So we're just going to jump in on these. Um, you know, John said we, we had strong-willed children, and our first child was born, and he, he was strong-willed, but then our second came along, and... Uh, that child was even more strong-willed. but And I have to say, it was very different than I was. I was a very compliant firstborn, so I did struggle with understanding um, this child. So when you have strong-willed child children, I would really encourage you, do as much reading as you can, listen to podcasts, because there's a lot of good information out there. But I think the number one thing you need to do as a parent is you've got to really decide what is your goal in parenting? What is your goal for your child? Um, because if you don't have a goal, then whatever you're doing is going to be all over the place. And I, I liked what you said about not exasperating our children, and I really feel consistency is the most important and the hardest to do because we have our moods, mood swings too as parents. But um, I think you have to know your child you have to know what works for them in discipline, uh, not the same discipline works for every child. I found with my strongest willed child that like spanking was not really that effective, and uh, if I had it to do over again, I mean, I did spank this child, but if I had it to do over again, I probably wouldn't do much spanking with her because and I can say that, and I love her to death, and she's in here right now, so um <laughs> but uh you have to find out what, what works for your child and with their temperament. And a strong-willed child wants to be in control. They're passionate. They are, it's hard for them to accept that they're wrong. So you have to find some way of um, coming to terms with them. It can't just be, I found, you know, sometimes as parents we, we think, you have to do what I say no matter what I say. And in in principle, maybe that sounds good. But from my own experience, um, that was not always the case.
0: I find with strong-willed children, uh, well, let me say, strong-willed children will probably grow up to be someone you will be very, very proud of because you as a parent will guide them to the self-control that they need because it's that strong-willed child who often becomes... Uh, well, I'm very successful in life. Uh, they have a lot of drive, a lot of passion, a lot of determination. So, if you can guide and shape that, I think the point Shelley made about purpose is huge, and Paul gives us a purpose here. If you really love the Lord and you want to educate and give the advice of the Lord, then that is going to be your primary focus. You'll always kind of bow to the greater good that the Lord wants to do in your child's life. We had strong-willed children. Uh, I'm just going to give one example. I'll never forget. Uh, we sat down to dinner. I was pretty excited because Shelley made cheeseburgers and uh, french fries. So I was really looking forward to that. And then we had a little bit of broccoli. Uh, that, Well, we, we knew that our youngest was a very finicky eater, so we didn't push her and force her. Uh, even though my parents pushed and forced me because children in China were starving because of the peas. (laughs) I used to actually wrap the peas in a napkin and sink it in my milk glass and then say I had to go to the bathroom with my milk glass and then dump it down the and flush it down the drain. But um, our youngest did, would not eat the one small bite, one bite of broccoli that we asked and required. That's all. All they had to do was eat that one piece of broccoli. I would say with strong-willed children, before you lay down the law, you better be ready to back it up. And you need to think not just of plan A, but plan Z. <laughs> In our case, when our our youngest child began chewing it stopped and I said just chew that up and but if you don't chew it up then you'll not be able to eat dinner well wouldn't you so took the child up to the room where I sat with the child for I'm saying the child yeah, because so you I'm not trying it. It to was, you said pick a on any it's one of my turn. but we sat in her bedroom for 30 minutes, calmly. And then finally, I said, okay, spit it up, but you have to go to bed now. I made it clear that if she didn't chew it up, she'd have to go to bed early. So she went to bed without, that's that's strong will. That's the definition. Okay. But you have to follow through yeah. and be calm and love them through it.
1: And on the same, um, I think, being calm is important and also not coming down to their level. Because when you have a strong-willed child and they are stubborn, it is, it's really tough. I mean, it really is. Those of you who um, have mainly compliant children, that's a blessing. And the Lord knew maybe what you could handle. But um, <laughs> the same child was like, even if you would say, oh, she would go, one time she went to put her hand in the candy and my dad said oh oh you have to say please and she she started to say please and then she went and she took her hand out and so then we we were playing cards. She continued to play. We continued to play. Then all of a sudden, her hand went back, and she went to take it. And my dad said, "No, you have to say please." And this went on for a long time. Now she really wanted that candy, and that candy was all she had to do was say please. But see, that's again where strong-willed children have the need to be right and have the need for you to agree to them. I will say that evening, she never did get any candy. She didn't cry. She didn't throw a fit. But. All she had to do was say, please. So those are very challenging um, times with children. I think it's also important that you not come down to their level. Don't let a four-year-old make you act like a four-year-old, because sometimes that's what you want to do.
0: Yeah, it's, keep your dignity yeah, as a parent.
1: Yeah, because it's hard It's really important. Yeah. It's
0: the only thing you'll have left, but... So don't give it up too easily. So you
1: need to model the correct behavior even as But just think what a
0: girl like that can do in life when you've got that kind of determination.
1: She's an amazing mom. And if you she can
0: really let a person like that loose on the world with the Lord and some self-discipline, no hurdle too high. Here's a second question. How do we obey, honor our parents if we are out of the home i think the real demarcation in answering this question has to do with accountability Um, so you honor your parents in the spirit of obedience even when you're out of the home but because of the issue of accountability children are accountable to parents when they're under their care in their home when they're out then they are fully accountable for themselves and I think that with adulthood, that accountability does change, and it shifts fully to the Lord and that relationship. So, uh, uh, yeah, mom and dad in, at our age should not be saying, obey your parents. Uh, we want to win that kind of respect and love and earn it, but uh, we don't expect them to obey us. We offer advice. When they ask for it and we stay out of their way as much as possible we really do um
1: i also think that it is very important to continue honoring our parents and i've been blessed to have my parents um, for all of these years and i just lost my mom in november but um i think part of honoring your parents is giving them time and we live in such a busy time um, that sometimes we don't do that. That you need to give your parents, even if they're aging or um, even my kids, g- giving me time. That is a way of honoring me and showing me respect. And as John said, it doesn't mean that we do everything or that they are in our lives telling us what to do. But honoring is an attitude of the heart. Also, I think I've been honest with a lot of you that my mom really struggled with depression. And growing up I was the oldest, so there were a lot of things that, and there were not antidepressants on the market at that time. So there was sometimes a lot of sadness in my home. And I know some of you have also experienced that, whether it's with alcoholism or abuse of some kind. but as i became older and also my parents did raise me in the lord and i knew that and i had a dad who was really good about balancing my mom and explaining but yet he modeled to me the love he had for my mom and would explain things to me which was so valuable but as you become older i think it's really important as adult children in honoring your parents to realize that that it's not that your parents were all bad but to look at them more as a wounded person, perhaps, and someone that had struggles that they never were able to um, deal with. And in the Lord, we can do that. We really can, even if we've been mistreated. I have a friend who is dealing with a parent, and the, the parent is just, it's very sad, but I will say this friend honors her parent by giving her time and she's there for her. It doesn't mean they have a great relationship, but honoring to me is respect, giving time, and respect. That's it.
0: Well, I think that's a great answer, especially bringing up the idea of uh, giving time to our parents. I lost both my parents when I was young, so I never had that demand on me, but I would have liked the privilege of it mm-hmm. and, and it
1: is a privilege if you do still have your parents you need to think about that and you can have a ministry in their life
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe you haven't thought about that
0: well and get get in the lord get in the spirit is is all about not just being a passive uh, a victim in life it's about being a leader in the lord in his power and that applies to every area of our lives uh, certainly with our parents even if they had kind of a, a, a hard or, for you, a regrettable influence of some kind, you can have a positive and constructive influence on their life. And the other thing that I think about listening to you is I, I would ping off the Lord as a parent. I would think, and, and maybe you would all agree, I would think, God, how marvelously gracious and patient long-suffering you are with me. Because I could see in my frustrations, because of the actions or behaviors of our children, I thought it helped me illuminate my notion of how, how God is so good and patient with me as, a, as his child. And in, conversely then, would it not honor God when I give him time, when I give him consideration and interest in my life so it would be with your parents especially as adults because they know that that is a value for you that you are attributing transferring to them which is the very meaning of the word honor is to value that person a token of a price or great value One last question today. How do we, as parents, discipline and instruct our kids in the Lord and not provoke them to anger?
1: I think you have to start early. Um, I mean, you said a six-month-old doesn't, and that's true, but there are things even you can start doing early with your children and again reading and knowing those things knowing your child uh being consistent i think that is probably the most important it thing It is the most
0: important. because i
1: mean i'm going to speak from a woman's point of view how hard is it for your children if they don't know what mommy's going to show up that day if you're going to be irritable and yelling and um grouchy and cranky which that's let's be honest those are all real emotions and we all struggle with those but as a parent you have to rise above i was thinking about it as we were thinking about doing this this week we have our children in our homes maybe 20 years now we'll deal later we've got the boomerang generation and all that Um, but really you have 18 to 20 years to really pour into your children and then they're gone or they're at least at the age where they are more responsible and hopefully that's what you've done. And so if you live, I mean, if you live to be 90, that, that's 70 years you're on your own. So we as parents think our job is, and it is so important, but there's so much packed in to those first 18, 20 years that you have to be so purposeful and so directive and you can't. it can't be about you, it can't be about me Because I have a very short amount of time. And we blow it, but that's where in the Lord, getting in the Spirit, getting in the Lord, we have the capability to be the parents that God calls us to be. To help shape that child for those 60, 70 years that they're going to be living. So I think starting early, being consistent, not exasperating your child. And I think when you're not consistent, you really do exasperate your child, if they don't know what to expect. I think you've got to talk things over with your children. They've got to know what you expect of them before you go somewhere, role-playing, talking about, now we're going over to grandma's house. What are some things that you know you can do or can't do? And then also talking about consequences. What's going to happen if, you don't obey, or if I give you the look, or if I come up and just put my hand on your arm, that means, what does that mean? That means you better stop what you're doing. So there's, there's so much. I mean, this is really hard to pack a lot in. But, um, and I think another good thing with little children, I learned this from our children's pastor years ago when we were in Modesto, is when your child does something wrong, don't say, why did you do that? And and that is the first thing we do. Why did you do that? Why do you think they did it? Because they're sinful, just like we are. You don't ask that question. And this really stuck with me. A better question would be, what did you do wrong? And if they say, well, I, what did you do wrong? You know, stick with that question. And you're trying to teach them right from wrong, accountability, responsibility. We're all going to do, in James it tells us, we all stumble in many ways. All of us. So why would our child not when they're that young? So avoid that question if at all possible. That always stuck out to me. In
0: fact, the, the use of the word why can be a temptation to lie to offer a false explanation. If you ask what, then you're asking for a description. In fact, you don't even have to say, what did you do wrong? Just say, what did you do? And then once the description is out, you can ask questions. Well, is that a good thing? Is that a bad? Explaining, explaining, explaining. And then living it out yourself as a parent. Um, that's so important. That's always the standard. Will you fall short of your own standards? Of course you will, but those are then opportunities to, especially if the children were involved in some way, to then teach them how even a mom or a dad, an adult, can ask, ask forgiveness mm-hmm. or express, um, you know, regret over the way of, of a certain kind of behavior. Not because the child is now the boss, but because the Lord is the boss. And so you point them to him to help the children know that you serve someone who's bigger than you, the Lord.
1: And uh, with adding just to what you said, role modeling is, along with consistency, so important. Because if your child sees you and your spouse or, you know, if you're a single mom relating to someone else... um, why did you do that? Or demeaning, say if I was demeaning John, putting him down, yelling at him. Um, those are things that our children are seeing, and sh- sure we're telling them to do different things, but what are they observing? What do they see me doing? And we know that that goes a lot further. And I hope, I, don't, I know I didn't do everything perfectly, and I don't know what my children remember, but I do hope that um, they caught some of that behavior and that modeling, and it, it's because of the Lord. And we're I, I can do that still strength. Yeah, yeah, we're that's still true.
0: still modeling. So. All right. Well, we didn't
1: get through all our questions. No.
0: Shall we do this next week? Will you do us a favor? And if you have further questions, will you submit them? Send them to talon at gccvisalia.org. Uh, Org, O R G, not C O M. Um, so uh, well let's let's stand and Shuly, do you wanna do you have a devotional thought to end with? No, <laughs> for a big chance. <laughs> Let you pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father children are just lifelong little disciples what we do in discipling our children is a part of our lifestyle in Christ and we praise you for the privilege it is even the purpose it is that in life we should be Teachers, influencers, change agents, because you have changed us. And we praise you for your great love, your inexhaustible grace, and your constant guidance in our lives. We praise and thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, God bless you. Yeah, you can leave it on if you like.